0: Hey everybody, it's Deb here. Welcome to episode number 10 of Uncomfortable. Comfortable conversations around uncomfortable topics. Thanks for tuning in to episode number 10 of Uncomfortable we're continuing on our journey of sex education. In this episode, I chat to Leah Carey, a sexual communication coach who helps women learn to communicate about sex so that they can get what they really want in the bedroom. Leah is also the creator and host of the podcast, Good Girls Talk About Sex. Sexual freedom is a subject that is deeply personal to Leah because she spent most of her life being a very good girl. She only had sex inside committed relationships and most of that sex was either boring or painful. In 2017, she had the opportunity to leave everything behind and travel the United States on a journey that she calls her freedom tour. Little did she know that along the way, she'd actually discover her sexual freedom as well. In this episode, we talk about Leah breaking the silence around sex, the fear and the shame around women's sexuality and pleasure, and redefining what it means to be a good girl. I hope that you enjoy our really fun conversation but do note that we do use some adult language so you might want to make sure that you have your headphones on. So, Leah, thank you so much for coming on to the show. I'm really excited for this episode.
1: It is absolutely my pleasure. And I love that you are diving into uncomfortable conversations because I think we need to have more of them. (laughs) I think we get really stuck in what's comfortable and then just disagreeing uh, and yelling at people who we disagree with instead of actually interacting with people so Death. this is exciting
0: yeah yeah it's it's been a great journey for me so far still pretty early on in the journey and it's definitely been about kind of understanding different perspectives and and where people come from and you know their lives uh, versus m- my life and it's been it's been eye opening for sure. And I absolutely love your podcast because of course sex is generally for most an uncomfortable topic. And yes. <laughs> I do kind of still put myself in that category. I struggle. to talk -hmm. talk about it. So your podcast, Good Girls Talk About Sex. I've been listening. I've loved the episode so far. Thank you. you, You're welcome. (laughs) Can you tell us a little bit about how you came up with that idea? Yeah, absolutely.
1: So um, sort of the deep background is that I grew up in a home where sex was a super uncomfortable topic. Um, My Dad was emotionally abusive, and he um, he was it's a little hard to to talk about because if I say the word sexual abuse, that puts a really specific image in people's head, mm-hmm. and it wasn't about him touching me. it was about him speaking to me about sex and about my sexuality in a way that was super inappropriate. so um, talking to me about Like, are you wet now? Or, you know, like really, really super inappropriate things. Um, And that was just sort of the status of my growing up years. And um, so I learned not that sex was taboo exactly, but that sex was incredibly shameful. Mm -hmm. Um, My dad also told me that I was fat, I was ugly, and nobody would ever love me. Um, I now understand that that is sort of a very common abuser tactic, um, Mm -hmm. that in order for him to keep me as sort of his dedicated victim, um, he had to keep me isolated from anybody else. All of this is making him sound like a terrible, terrible person. I think he was an incredibly broken person. Um, I don't think that he actually intended any of this. but the fact is that this is what happened. (laughs) Mm -hmm, Um, So all of that to say, I grew up not knowing how to talk about sex, not knowing how to flirt or how to express interest in anyone, because I automatically assumed that I would be rejected because Mm -hmm. I was fat and ugly and nobody would ever love me. I was in I was 25 before I had my first serious relationship, uh, 25 when I had sex for the first time. My first few relationships, I believed that I couldn't get anybody good and decent. Mm -hmm. So I chose abusers, um, emotionally abusive men like my dad. Um, It wasn't until I got into my early forties that something switched in my brain and I was like you know what this might be stupid
0: (laughs) what was that switch do you think do you know where it came from well um the the very long story
1: (laughs) involves Donald Trump being elected president of the United States (laughs) and me looking at him and thinking he is telling a lot of lies yeah He's gaslighting people. And this sounds a whole lot like what my dad did to me when Mm. I was a kid. And if I don't believe Trump now, is it possible that I could go back and reexamine what my father said to me and decide that that actually wasn't true either? Um, it was an incredibly painful way to have to learn that lesson. And I'm really sorry to everyone else who has to handle the fallout of him being president. Yeah. But ultimately, it was a really healing experience for me. Yeah. Um, so in 2017, um, I had the opportunity to go out and, and travel the United States for a year. And my intention in that trip was to just travel and see the country and find a new place to live. What I ended up doing that was nowhere on my radar when I left for the trip. And I actually joke that if I had known this was coming, I would never have left because I wouldn't have (laughs) believed I was capable of it or worthy of it. Um, I ended up having this unbelievable journey of sexual exploration and learning that, oh my God, I'm, uh, sure, I'm a little overweight, but I'm not fat and ugly and totally undesirable, and people are attracted to me, and my, I had thought for a long time that because I didn't have pleasure during sex, that meant I was broken, Mm -hmm. it turns Mm -hmm. out I'm not broken, I just wasn't having good sex, (laughs)
0: what a revelation that's huge (laughs) that's awesome and how did this one year of travel um I know you call it your kind of one year freedom tour which I, I love that term how did that kind of turn into this sexual journey where did that come from
1: so I had been seeing a therapist right before, so I used to live in New Hampshire, which mm-hmm. is in the uh, northeast of the United States. Um, I was seeing a therapist and in my last 15 minutes of my last appointment with her before I was going on this yearling journey, <laughs> I said to her, so you know, there's this thing I've never talked to you about. <laughs> is that I kind of feel broken sexually. <laughs> like she was going to fix me in our last 10
0: minutes I know. together, right? <laughs> you give her a lot of time.
1: <laughs> and she was very good. She did not laugh at me. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> she said, um... That's not something that I specialize in and we don't have a lot of time, yeah. <laughs> but you're about to travel around the country. You're going to be in all sorts of different places. I bet that somewhere on your travels, you could find a, um, a sex therapist hmm. and go talk to them about this. And I had been thinking about going to see a sex therapist for probably 10 or 15 years and always stopped myself because I thought, oh, that's not an okay thing to spend money on. Mm. Or that's something that people who are not like me do. That's something that only like really brave people do. Or that's some, I can't do that because I'm fat and ugly. Nobody's ever going to want me anyway. So why bother? But having her. Just give me that moment of permission. Yeah. Having her say, maybe you want to try this. I was like, oh, maybe I want to try this. And it opened a door. Yeah. And I never actually ended up going to see a sex therapist. What I did was um, early in my trip, I went to see a tantric massage therapist. And that was, like, that was the moment that started it all, because I went to her, and, and tantric massage, I mean, a lot of people use that term in sort of a very um, colloquial way to just mean, like, I massage you, then we have sex. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but somebody who's actually trained in this, it's very different. Um, it is a massage but it is working with your sexual energy and it does include the genitals if you want it to. Okay. And she was wonderful. She did a whole like 45 uh, minute phone call with me doing a, an intake of my whole sexual history and what I wanted to get out of it and what the issues were I was dealing with. And so I told her, I think I'm broken because I don't have much sexual sensation. Um, and so we had the session, which was fucking terrifying to walk in that door. So it was in person and, and it wasn't. It was in person, yeah. In person, wow. wow. The, the intake phone call was a phone call. Okay. But then I had a three hour session with her in person.
0: Oh, yes. Wow. Yes. Wow. It, was it, a,
1: it was an hour of talk and then about two hours of actual like touch. Yes.
0: <laughs> so it was actually quite hands-on. I've very never hands-on. actually, it's tantric massage is something like, yeah, I've, I've kind of heard of it in, yeah. in the background, but never actually considered properly what it entails. Yeah. So it was quite hands-on.
1: It was very hands-on. And, and it wasn't all actually touched. The very first thing she had me do was sit down and she handed me a platter of strawberries and grapes and like some fruits and some chocolates yep. and she said I want you to pick something on this platter that's appealing to you and I want you to close your eyes and taste it and experience mm. it I don't want you to just chew it and swallow it I want you to experience it and oh wow that's different Yeah. I had never done that before for the first time I was like oh I get why chocolate is sexual yeah <laughs> <laughs> and then after that she had me lay down and oh my god it was so funny she, <laughs> she had these um these uh roses pink roses And uh, I, I was laying down on a massage table, and she literally took uh, these—I think it was like seven pink roses—and she pulled them apart and spread spread the petals all over the massage table. And she's like, "I would like you to lay down on a bed of roses." Oh
0: wow! I know, (laughs) beautiful.
1: (laughs) And then she explained to me that, like the way that we think of the word massage is generally mm-hmm. like swedish massage it's mm-hmm. like going in and kneading and and working out knots the idea being that energy has sort of um maybe you have a an injury or or mm-hmm. overwork or something and things have tightened up all of the energy has tightened up into stuck. one spot and gotten stuck and so that massage is about spreading that energy out releasing the muscle mm-hmm. The tantric massage is the exact opposite. It's about stroking all of the energy into a single central point, which is for women, they call it the yoni. Um, you know, we would maybe call it the vagina or the genitals okay. or whatever word you want to use. Um, uh, for men, it would be um, the lingam in their Uh, words or uh, the penis or, you know, again, the genitals, Um, but stroking all of the energy in toward a single unified point Mm -hmm. um, and gathering all of the energy. So it's an extremely different experience. Um, And what, so what happened for me is that we got to the end of that session and we sat down to talk and she looked at me and she said, you aren't broken. Oh, my God. It's a massive relief. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, I still had work to do. And she yeah. told me where she thought, because there clearly was a disconnect. But to hear somebody who has all of this experience and actually knows what she's talking about, oh, yeah. say to me, there's nothing actually wrong with you. It was like letting go of 25 years of worry and doubt and fear. Mm-hmm. And that, once that had happened, I, there was no way I was going to stop. Yeah. You know, I needed to know what else was out there. And so I started really seeking out experiences. And you, uh, the original question you asked me was how I came up with the idea for the podcast, which is that I started talking. I just started having these conversations with my friends and with people that I met. Uh, it's very, very odd when you're a writer and you meet somebody and they say, what do you do? You say, I'm a writer. They say, what do you write about? And I say, sex? Awkwardly, <laughs> <laughs> sex. <laughs> I don't know how to answer that question anymore. <laughs> that <laughs> yes. um, I started having these conversations with all sorts of people and discovering that there was this massive hunger mm-hmm. to have real conversations about sex because we're all so bloody afraid of the conversation we all want to have it and we're all too scared to have
0: it yeah because we've been taught for the most part to be a good girl yeah and not to talk about it
1: exactly yeah and that's actually exactly where the name came from I had recorded a sort of sample episode a while almost a year ago and shared it with a few friends and just to say what do you think of this mm-hmm. do you think this will work and one of my friends wrote back and she was teasing me and she said you can't do this good girls don't talk about sex
0: <laughs>
1: and I was like oh that's the name good girls talk that's about it. sex <laughs>
0: That's perfect, and it's a perfect name. I I love it, <laughs> and I'm actually curious what um what traits do you think you know that quote unquote good girl has, and do you still see yourself as a good girl, or has that changed ever since the podcast came so, out? <laughs> that's
1: a great question. Um, I think that my definition of the term has changed significantly. Mm-hmm. So when I was a kid, a good girl was all about pleasing my parents and doing well in school and never getting in trouble and being perfect and doing, uh, looking right and speaking right and all of that stuff. And it was so incredibly stressful. I ended up with anxiety and depression and like crazy making. Yeah. Now I would say that I... I want to be a good listener. I want Mm -hmm. to be a good friend. I want to be a good person in the world. I want to make positive change in the world. I want, I want to be a good influence and a good expression of humanity on the planet. And if that's what it is to be a good girl, I'm all for it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I guess, you know, it's a term that you can define yourself ultimately the unfortunate thing you know and I still feel this way is when someone I remember being at the dentist and he must have said something and he was like you know move your tongue this way and open your mouth wider or whatever because he's got all the stuff in there mirrors and everything having a look in and he was like yeah good girl and I was really pissed off yeah you know and so just from that it's almost made that term slightly negative for me but it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be as you just explained it could be whatever you see that to be or want to be yeah
1: well one of the questions that i ask some of the guests on the podcast is how did you hear the words good girl when you were Mm -hmm. a child and how do you hear them now and is it different and um a a fair number of the guests have said that term really pisses me off. You know, like yeah. I, I didn't want to be a good girl then. I don't want to be a good girl now. Um, but the other thing that has been really interesting is that the BDSM community
0: yes, I was uses
1: just that term mm-hmm. <laughs> very intentionally. Yeah. And it's um, depending on how it's used, it can be really erotic.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I was actually just thinking that myself, there's the other side to being Mm -hmm. a good girl and being submissive for your partner, right? (laughs) I guess there's various ways to define it. That's for sure. But yeah, I I feel myself even kind of growing up, similar situation um you know thankfully my my father or parents were never abusive but I always had that fear around uh letting them down so I had to be good I had to get good grades I had to do this and it's just always it did cause a lot of anxiety and then you know you want to be a good partner and you make wrong choices but yet you want to please someone that you you know you don't really need to please or you don't enjoy pleasing But yet you want to be the good girl. You want to be the good person. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I do love the term for your podcast. But yeah, definitely there's just like those opposing feelings of that particular term, which is really interesting, actually. So tell me, um, one thing I loved that you had, a question you had on your website as I was poking around and having a nosy (laughs) was you would ask the readers what's your biggest fear about sex and I'm curious to know what yours was prior to your your sexual revolution (laughs) or you know even before and do you still have any after after all that
1: Oh, I still have plenty of fears. Okay. I would not want anybody to listen to me or read what I do or listen to the podcast and think that I am healed because that would be a massive fallacy.
0: Fair <laughs> enough. It's like, I thought you had it all sorted. I was. I so- do not have I'm it all joking. sorted.
1: I might have it 20% more sorted yeah. than the average person. <laughs> Because I have spent a lot of time diving into it, but that does not make me 100 percent sort of. enough.: I would say that my biggest fear um, there were a couple of them that were all sort of rolled into one. Um, so let's say the two biggest fears were that I was so fat and ugly that no one would ever love me, that I would never find love. Mm -hmm. And the other was that I had what I felt like was this deep well of sexuality inside me that I couldn't access. Mm. And I was afraid that I was permanently cut off from it because I was so broken. Um, so it was both sort of the, like, I'm never going to find anybody from the outside because I'm too hideous, but I'm also never going to be able to access what's on the inside
0: Mm -hmm. because I'm too broken. So your, your tour that you did, you talked about the tantric massage. What else then did you go out and explore that, you know, hopefully helped you kind of overcome that fear? so
1: very so very much? much I'm like I
0: want to know all the details
1: <laughs> I actually I was um I have this group of writers that I'm part of and mm-hmm. I was writing out my experiences as I was having them so I have a book length manuscript of my year I just haven't figured out what to do with it yet
0: awesome so there's um, a book in the there's
1: world. a book and it is uh very detailed <laughs> Um, I did some things that I think were really really smart and I did some things that if my mother were still alive she would have shit her bed I I mean (laughs) um in the time since I finished my trip Um, craigslist no longer does online personals Hmm. but while i was traveling the online personals were still available and so when i got to a new city i was going on to the personals and finding um when i was in boulder colorado i found a couple to have my first threesome with (laughs) yeah i uh let's see what else did i do i've done all sorts of crazy stuff um But the best thing that I did was that I got to Portland, Oregon, and I thought that it was just going to be sort of a stopover. Mm -hmm. I I planned to travel for a year. I didn't end up traveling for a year because I got to Portland,
0: and without meaning to, I stayed. (laughs) Yeah, it is, you know, it is a gorgeous little place. I've been there once. I definitely hope to visit, so I don't blame you for staying
1: but there's an organization here the the biggest reason that i stayed is there's an organization here called sex positive portland amazing yes it's incredible there's an educational component to the program and then there's an actual like hands on component to the program. A lot of people think that it's a sex club. It's not actually Mm -hmm. that. Um, It's a lot of really facilitated interaction. Yes, it's sexual. Yes, clothes come off. But it's not just like great big orgies. (laughs) (laughs) But, But like some of the first things that I did when I, when I joined the group were like, there's this, um, this class called stars. And, um, I just want to give a shout out to mm-hmm. Dr. Evelyn Dacker. Um, her website is make time okay. where she describes the stars method, which is talking about sex with a partner, potential partner before you have sex with them. Okay. Awesome. So that talk about uncomfortable conversations. Yes. So that you know you're both on the same page, so you know that you are interested in the same things, you know that they're not going to cross any of your uncrossable lines, Mm -hmm. so that you know what each other's health history is and make sure that you're on the same page about protection and um, risk, you know, how much risk you're willing to take on. Okay. All of that. So uh, I was in a class learning about the STARS method, and they asked us to, we were in small groups. And um, the T for stars stands for turn ons. It's it's one of those things where each letter stands for something. So S is STI status, T is turn ons, A is avoids, R is relationship status, and the second S is safer sex practices. Um, So if you cover all five of those things, you have a really good basis for healthy consensual sex. Um, So we're sitting in this room. They're teaching this to us. And then we're in a small group and we have to turn to our small group and like tell them our answers to these questions. And we get to the turn-ons part and it's my turn to speak out loud to these (sighs) four people what my turn-ons are. And I started bawling so hard that I couldn't speak because the idea of acknowledging that I was a sexual being with sexual desires was so friggin' scary. Like, it went against every bit of training, implicit and explicit training that I had had in my life. Yeah. Um, So that, I think, is it's really important for me. That was, I mean, there were so many turning points in my story of how I went from like that incredibly good girl to where I am today, talking, writing, and teaching (laughs) about sex. (laughs) But that was a big one learning that it's okay to acknowledge that I am sexual being.
0: Yeah. And I think that, and maybe I'm just speaking about myself, but I feel like a lot of women have that issue. For some reason, I don't know why, but I feel like men can usually express well, not not every guy, but relatively easy how you know what they want. Whereas for us it's just is such a struggle and and I struggle with that definitely. Um, so it's good to know that there's groups out there. I'm actually wondering if there's any in Vancouver. I, we should to talk
1: be. after the... Yes.
0: <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure there are. <laughs> I know. I know. So I'm, I'll also do some Googling. I'm sure there are. So that's such a huge... Um, revelation for me like oh maybe there's a way you know I could go out there and start to feel more comfortable um and you know one of the the questions that uh, I was actually going to ask you was like what advice would you give to other kind of quote-unquote good girls who work hard to please their partners but they are not quite sure what they want or maybe they do but they're kind of struggling to express it yeah so this is exactly where I was and Mm -hmm. part of the reason
1: I couldn't speak was because I didn't know what my turn-ons were Mm. not only was I not sure I was allowed to have them because I wasn't sure I was allowed to have them I'd never thought about them yeah there maybe were times when I was like oh I wish my partner would touch me this way Mm -hmm. but then I would immediately think but you know, you can't ever have that or I'm not allowed to ask or whatever. So I think the first and most important step is simply to ask yourself the question, what are my Mm turn-ons? What is it that when my partner is touching me, I really wish they would do?
0: Mm. What
1: is it that I... Fantasize about I mean if women um, I know that not everybody masturbates, but for people who do masturbate and, and i 'm using the the word women it 's not necessarily a gendered mm-hmm. thing. this mm-hmm. could be true for across the gender spectrum yeah. when you masturbate, what do you fantasize about mm-hmm. are those things some of our fantasies are sort of meant to stay in fantasy land, but a lot of them are things that we would actually enjoy experiencing
0: yeah
1: so which of your fantasies would you like to translate into your real life experience? I think those are two really good places to start. What point. do I wish my partner would do? What do I wish I could do to my partner? Cause mm, what we yeah. do to others is also can also be a turn on.
0: Oh, definitely. It's not just all about the take. It's the giving no, as
1: well. Right. Absolutely. And what do I masturbate? What do I fantasize about? Also maybe what do I dream about? If you have sexual dreams,
0: mm, yeah. those
1: can be a great place to start in just, sort of searching through your own uh internal filing cabinets yeah, see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> see, okay so what am i interested in um and then i would suggest not talking about it with your partner until you feel comfortable with mm. the idea that these things exist within you so i would say you know if you're like oh maybe i like. Um, being spanked i would say if you're still unsure about that if you're like 80 20 maybe i do and maybe i don't don't take that to your partner because your partner might be like well hey babe let's try it (laughs) whack and you're not ready for it yet yeah so really stick with yourself until you know, this is something that I think I'm really ready to talk about, that I'm ready to
0: share. Yeah, and explore. Yeah, that's a great point, actually. Because sometimes you see, whether it's on television, magazines, you're in a sex store, or whatever, and things seem like a good idea, just because they are a good idea doesn't always mean that they're going to play out well when the time actually comes.
1: Exactly. Sometimes just because something works for your best friend doesn't mean it's Mm going to work for you and that's okay. It doesn't mean that your best friend is wrong and it doesn't mean that you are wrong. It just means you have different bodies and different tastes. It's it's almost like
0: diets, right? Not every (laughs) diet or one (laughs) diet works for everybody. You gotta just Depends on your body, depends on, you know, this, that, the Totally. Next thing. It's <laughs> why
1: it makes me crazy to look at, like, the magazine covers in the grocery store, like Cosmo, five ways to make your guy crazy. Well, first of all, not every guy's body is built the same way either. Yeah. So just because the magazine says it's going to be a huge turn on for him does not mean that it necessarily is. It doesn't mean that you have to enjoy it just because the magazine says that he's going to like it. Like what's important is conversation between you and your partner to find out where the commonalities are between the two of you. And that conversation requires
0: a lot of bravery. Well, that kind of leads me to my next question is that, you know, having that conversation with a partner before you've had sex or even midway through your relationship can still be uncomfortable. So how do we, or do you have any advice for how we can prepare for that or even to kind of go through that conversation and make it more comfortable? So,
1: um, I think it's really important to note that this is not just a, before you have sex with a new partner, but this can be a really great way to reconnect mm-hmm. with a partner who you've have an established relationship with, um, to come back together, to really sort of go back to basics and, mm-hmm. and relearn each other. Um, I you know, if you are sort of a do-it-yourself kind of person, I would, again, recommend going to the com. There's mm-hmm. all of the questions. It's laid out so that you can actually go through all of the questions oh, together. Wow. Um, if you want some more, like, wanna, like more, I need to sort of work this out and think it through, then talking to somebody like me. I mean, there mm-hmm. are lots of sex educators. There are lots of sex coaches. I'm one of them.
0: You're welcome yes. to come to me. Yes. And I'll be posting links to your website and everything in the show notes. So if people want to get in touch with Leah, there's a way for them to do that for sure. (laughs) Absolutely.
1: But sometimes being able to bounce it off somebody Mm -hmm. who's not going to have any preconceived notions about you, not going to have any preconceived notions about your partner, and also not going to have any judgments about the things that you think you want or, well, that's kind of kinky. Are you sure you want that? Or not going to judge you for like, well, you know, that's pretty basic. You should want to do that. Yeah. You know, like for me, I thought I, one of the things that I had read in God, why did I keep reading Cosmo? I don't I know. know. Rest, but, <laughs> I know. <laughs> but I would pick it up in the grocery store line. I admit. <laughs> and, um, you know, one of the things that was repeated so many times whether it was in that magazine or other places was if you really love him you will swallow really oh yeah when you give a (sighs) blowjob and I have that has always been a real problem for me and so I stopped giving blowjobs It wasn't until I took the STARS class and I heard another woman say, one of my hard red lines is that you are, that I am not okay with you coming on my face or in my mouth. And I was like, holy shit, I'm allowed to say that? All of a sudden I can give blowjobs again. And I really enjoy it because I am able to set a boundary up front. And that has nothing to do with my partner in that particular situation. Mm -hmm. It's not that I'm disgusted by him. It's not that he smells bad. It's not that he ate the wrong thing. This is just a line that I have because I'm not comfortable with it. That changed everything for me.
0: Yeah. And did you have that conversation with a partner like prior? I've had it with multiple
1: partners. Wow.
0: (laughs) And what's the reaction?
1: they have been universally okay with it. I have not had a single person balk at that, which shocked me because mm-hmm. I thought that that was supposed to be a deal breaker. Yeah. Um, and I've had, I, I'm bisexual. I've had similar kinds of conversations with women and not had any bad reactions. Um, I'm in a monogamous relationship now mm-hmm. with a man and he... You know, I laid that out the first time, and he was like, okay, great. Like, he had wow. no issue with it, and um, after we had been together, this was so sweet. <laughs> I just, I, <laughs> This makes me all warm and fuzzy every time I think about it. <laughs> um, after we had been together for maybe a couple of months, he... We were, you know, fooling around and I was headed toward that part of his body because yeah. I could give him a blowjob as long as we stopped before he mm-hmm. ejaculated and that was fine. But he got this glint in his eye and he's like, I've got something for you. I was like, <laughs> oh, I love presents. What is it? <laughs> <laughs> and he had gone online. These are very hard to find now just in a drugstore. but he had gone online and found unlubricated condoms. Cool. And he put one on. So now I can give him a blowjob to completion. Awesome. And he, f- the ones he found miraculously don't have any taste. So it's not like a horrible experience, but we both get what we want. I get to bring him to completion. He yes. gets to come to completion and I don't have to have semen in my mouth. Awesome. Yeah, so when when like
0: a for everybody. Right?
1: <laughs> but if <laughs> we really hadn't right. had that conversation, mm-hmm. if I hadn't known that conversation for all those years that I didn't know that conversation was possible, I just didn't give blowjobs. Mm-hmm. And that's a really sad sort of middle ground.
0: Especially if it's something that you enjoy doing. There's just a part of it that Mm -hmm. you don't like so much. So yeah. Oh,
1: and it's a totally different conversation. If somebody Mm -hmm. doesn't like giving blowjobs, that's also okay. That's just part of your conversation.
0: Yeah, and I mean, it all comes down to consent as well. And I actually uh, was having a look through your blog posts and I just want to mention there was a blog post um, that was called, That's Not What Consent Means. And it actually kind of brought me to tears, like both your experience and what the young gentleman, you know, how he approached it and what he said to you, um, which was beautiful. But then how you had explained at the end you know, when you'd had an experience that was not consensual and, you know, it was almost kind of heartbreaking to read. So thank you for sharing that because I think the consent conversation is so, like, it's it's not done and I, I know from experience, it's never really a conversation up until maybe my past, like, couple partners as I age that I've ever had. And I just wish it was something that was taught more in yeah. schools to young, you know, teenage girls, people, you know, women in their 20s. Yeah. Because I, I wouldn't even have known how to have that conversation.
1: Yeah. It's something that's not talked about. Well, it's becoming more talked about mm-hmm. um, now that we've entered the sort of you know me too era
0: mm-hmm. um
1: it's definitely a conversation but it's a very thorny conversation yeah. because um the way that it is done in general society it leaves a lot of things open for interpretation mm-hmm. um still even with the conversation happening what we say in the sex positive community and i really really love this because i think that this actually answers most of the questions
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> is If it's not a hell yes, it's a hell no. Yeah. So if your partner is not like jumping up and down ready to do something, if you sense any hesitation in them, that is a hard stop. Yeah. And you maybe talk about it or you maybe do something different and maybe at some point later you come back around to that same activity and they're like, now I'm a hell yes.
0: Yeah. But
1: if you sense any, any discomfort or um, sort of squishiness in somebody's yes, or if somebody says maybe, maybe equals no in our community. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, and I think that is a really great way to handle it because, um, because so many of us have been conditioned to
0: be good girls and to say yes, when we don't actually mean it. Yeah. And that's led, um, I know from experience to me, having experiences that I still feel quite ashamed about because there was no conversation around consent. And then I didn't really know how to, to say, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to go there. And I'm, you know, I'm sure I speak for a hundred million different people, not just women. Um, that we've all had those experiences. Do do you, have you ever had, I'm sure you have, but I'm going to ask, have you ever had an experience where you felt kind of even hurt and ashamed afterwards? And if you have, what have you done to kind of help move forward from that and and almost, you know, not let it go, but learn and and move on? Uh, It's such a big question
1: because truthfully, the first... 15 years of my sex life were were experiences that while they were consensual were not a hell yes by any stretch of the imagination yeah um I didn't want them what I really wanted was to cuddle Mm -hmm. I craved the touch of cuddling but I didn't know how to get there without having sex first Mm -hmm. Um, and so for me, sex was simply like a stop on the train ride to get to yeah. cuddling. Um, so, so yeah, I've had lots of experiences that I felt hurt and ashamed of afterward. Um, how did I get over it? Uh, I don't know that there's a real good pat answer to that, except mm-hmm. that um I have done a whole lot of work over the last uh, 10, 15 years to learn how to value myself as Mm -hmm. a human being. Um, And that once I began to do that, having people treat me that way, was no longer acceptable. Okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. One more quick fun question okay. before we wrap up. I mean, I have a hundred questions as always. I could keep going on, but uh, curious to know, is there anything that you've not yet experienced sexually Ooh. that you would perhaps, or are hoping to in the near future? Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> are you willing to share?
1: Sure, um, totally okay
0: if you're not. I want I'm, this to be a comfortable conversation. I'm all. an open book. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, I think the thing that for me right now, well, so my partner and I have been playing around a little bit with the whole um dominant submissive mm. um uh, dynamic, um, and I have always assumed that I would be submissive in that dynamic and I do really enjoy that. But we've Mm -hmm. also recently started playing around with a little bit of switchiness. So me being the top and him being the bottom, that's fun. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I think that at this point, the thing that we haven't done anything of and that is still a great curiosity to me is, um, is some sort of public sex mm. so um that does not mean like going out into the local park yeah, yeah. <laughs> but going <somewhere>, <laughs> <laughs> like that would just be illegal <laughs> yeah you don't want to end up getting arrested i mean it's, it's fine if people want to do that i like to stay on this <laughs> yeah. side of the law Fair oh. there, are, there are definitely places where you can do that like sex clubs and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that um and i am um, I am curious about what it would feel like to know that people were watching us have sex.
0: Yeah. Well, I just had a conversation um, or, you know, po- last podcast was on sex parties. Oh so yeah. That definitely kind of, you know, struck my interest too. Mm-hmm. Um, I think from what I hear, that seems like probably a very safe and fun place to do something yeah. like that. So uh Awesome. Well, I hope that perhaps if you do have that experience, that it's in your manuscript in this book that hopefully (laughs) we can all read. So not only are you having people watching you have sex, you're going to have people reading about it afterwards, which is amazing. Amazing. I love it, Leah. Thank you so
1: much. Oh my goodness. This thank is- you. Thank so- you for this podcast. And thank, um, it's been such a pleasure talking with you.
0: Oh, you're you're welcome. And thank you for your podcast because I've listened to the first, I've listened to two episodes. I'm still working my way through the next one. And it's just been really great to hear um. The experiences that other women have had, because you always think whether you've had a good or a bad experience or, you know, a strange experience or something different, you kind of never really think to talk to other people. You almost feel alone. Yeah. So just to hear, you know, things that someone's said or done and you're like, oh, I did that too. That's OK. And yeah. it's been great. It really has. So thank you. Yeah. And thank you. I'll definitely post links to that so everybody can can tune in i highly recommend it
1: because good girls do talk about sex they
0: do yes (laughs) do. we do i love it thank you so much thank you hey everyone thanks so much for listening i really hope that you learned something new or got out of your comfort zone a little bit during my conversation with leah Feel free to connect with Leah over on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. She's at I am Leah Carey. And you can catch her podcast, Good Girls Talk About Sex, over on iTunes and other podcast players. If you enjoyed our conversation, then feel free to let us know in the comments section over on our website, uncomfortable.blog, or on any of our social media channels. We're on Facebook, Instagram at uncomfortable.blog, and twitter at uncomfy underscore podcast you can support our podcast by signing up to be a patron and pledging a small five dollars per month so that we can keep on running visit uncomfortable.blog forward slash donate for more information thanks again for listening everyone now go forth and get uncomfortable